Hi, welcome to PhD Rhapsody, an honest podcast about PhD's life where we share our stories, some experiences, and funny moments. Here we talk how PhD changed our life, share our fears and achievements during our scientific research. I'm Martin. I'm Wilda. I'm Albina. And we're on. Hello, everyone. Hello. Hi. Today we have Alice Newman with us. She's a former colleague and a good friend. Hi, Alice. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) She started a PhD in Bergen uh, a year ago, or like in 2019. It's a bit more than a year. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And found out... Yeah, we're going to find out why she quit today or like how (laughs) she decided. We're going to talk about how to quit a PhD and like the thought process and yeah. Um, All right. Well, first of all, thanks for having me on your podcast. It's really great to be with you guys and to talk about this. And it's really exciting that I really appreciate that you have this aspect of the PhD as well, <laughs> how do you walk away? Because, uh, you know, it, yes, like like uh, Albina was saying, some it might not be for everyone. And there are various reasons why this is the case. And that is perfectly okay. Um, but anyway, a little bit about me. So <clears throat> I started at the uh, University of Bergen in November 2019. And I was there for a total of about four months. Is that right? five months. (laughs) So I had a pretty quick turnaround between, you know, getting there and getting started and then deciding that it wasn't quite the right thing for me. Um, The way how I got into um, doing my PhD in the first place was um, I wasn't really looking to do a PhD to begin with. So I had um, my motivation was really to find a job. And I had just relocated to Norway because my partner found a job here, a permanent position also in science research. And so, you know, we knew we made the decision that we would come here. And so I was really eager to find a job because in the past, you know, the years before we had relocated to Denmark also for his work, (laughs) you know, it's pattern. (laughs) And um, it, it was, that time it was so difficult for me to find work that I was nervous about falling into the same situation of being a foreigner and not speaking the language. So having more limited opportunities. And so when this position opened up at the University of Bergen and um, I looked into it, I felt like I was, it was too good not to take for several reasons. Uh, One of them was that I was looking into the program the department and sort of getting a sense for the culture of the department. And I just had really good signs all around. Like it seemed struck me as a very vibrant uh, community and like interesting work, interesting people seem really nice. So for me, that was one thing that was like, it seems like a really good environment. So that's, you know, any any kind of job you're looking for, you're looking for a good environment, right? So I was like, okay, that's exciting. And then second of all, the project itself in this particular project and um, professor who was leading the project, who would be my boss and advisor, um, 
also had just really good impression and you know i had exchanged some emails with him just to ask more details and it was just seemed like this was a really great place to work and so i was really excited um so you know in summary the motivation was really to find a job <laughs> like i hadn't i didn't i personally i didn't have um you know a long time aspiration to get the PhD. I had done my master's some year some years before and I had taken breaks from the discipline. And so I was like, okay, if it's a good job, then I can take it and treat it as a job. Um, yeah, we can come back to that later because really it's not realistic to, <laughs> to think of it as a nine to five job at all. Um, but also in my particular case, and this is sort of the theme um, of I guess this episode is, you know, I did have a few hesitations going into it. One of them was that um, it was the program and my job would be in a different city from my partner. And, you know, I was like, we moved here together because we're sharing a life and like planning to have a family and that kind of thing. So being in different cities was um, not ideal. But we mm -hmm. thought, okay, we can work around that. We can like, maybe eventually I can work out of Trondheim instead of Bergen, for instance. Yeah. Um, and another, another reason, which ends up being really probably the bigger reason that it, it ended up not working out was that um, <laughs> it was personally was a very difficult time for me. I had, um, was coming out of a very intense period um, of, loss and grief because my dad had gotten cancer the year before and died and <laughs> it's just super intense and you know by the time this job came up and you know the excitement of, about it and also the relief of like oh maybe i can find a job in norway yes yeah. mm -hmm. um at the time it really it kind of it outweighed that that hesitation i was like i think i'm good enough i felt like okay, I'm mentally, like, I went through this really difficult time and, like, maybe I need to move on from that, you know? So on one hand, I thought, like, maybe I'm ready. And the other hand, I was like, oh, maybe it's too soon. So I wasn't totally sure. Mm -hmm. But um, I decided to go for it <laughs> and try it. And um, from there... One of the things I have to say about that was like, I was I was quite open from the beginning with my, um, well, he was at first my interviewer, right? My uh, who ended up being my advisor. Uh, he was um, even even at the interview phase, you know, after the formal interview was over and we were just having coffee, I told him you know, look, I want to let you know that I'm dealing with this loss and I'm not sure if I'm totally ready to be getting into this job and a PhD of being this big challenge, you know? And so I was really upfront from the beginning. And that's something that I'd like to come back to at the end of, of this conversation, because that's something that I think um, is one of the tips that I would give. Actually, in general, Role. It's not even if you anticipate you're going to quit. It's more like <laughs> if there's any kind of in your life or like you have, it's just good to communicate it, right? Yeah. And I found that because I communicated that early on, it made it easier to 
come back to it when I needed to over those four months <laughs> while I was there. Yeah. That's generally good life advice as well. Always be upfront about things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I guess I would recommend that for everyone, no matter whether you're going to do a PhD or not. <laughs> so when did you realize that it's not working? Yeah, for, for me, um, <laughs> I was thinking about this question when you sent it to me and I was thinking, oh, was it gradual or abrupt? And I think in some ways it's kind of both. And I don't know if that's common for people that like, it's gradual in the sense that some days feel better than others. You know, some days you're like, oh yeah, I can do this. And some days you feel into the work and it's exciting. And then there are other days where you have a bad day or something like that. And so it can maybe, so the doubt can come abruptly. Um, I guess it's more like bits and spurts, you know. In my case, I remember the first day I got to Bergen or the first night or maybe the next first morning, who knows. But I remember <laughs> at one point I was like, what am I doing here? You know, I had this distinct thought of like, what, what did I just do? You know, I was yeah. like, I'm coming out of this crazy year and grief and like why did i move to a different city from my partner like this is insane so i had that thought <laughs> red, red flag yeah yeah but but you know what that's not i also told myself you know that's not necessarily you can't always believe that you know when you get cold feet or something like that because sometimes mm. the first day it's just everything is so different yeah. but that doesn't necessarily mean it's bad mm. No, it could um, be in any any new job or any new place you move to. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, like, you know, I recently moved to a different apartment and the first morning that I woke up, I was like, where am I? <laughs> <laughs> it's quite a common feeling, but um, I think in my case, because I had some of these hesitation before, um, then, yeah, it sticks out in my mind as like, hmm, <laughs> what did I just do to myself? Yeah. But, but you know... It was also, it wasn't so straightforward either because, you know, I got started, I got settled in with the department and I met amazing people. Yeah, you know, I can't you, believe you were he here for only five I know, months. We did so much. Yeah. <laughs> we were going to the gym together, we were running yeah. and you were going to yoga with Easy. Yeah, that was, I mean, part of, you guys were part of the reason I was like, oh, yeah, I got to come to this place. It's like, I can't find a better group of people to work with. And I still think that. So oh. yeah, it was like, uh, I think if it weren't for all of you, I would have left a lot sooner. <laughs> honestly, honestly, because, and then this is probably true of anybody who's in a position where they're, something isn't quite working out with the position. Um <clears throat> there are always, everybody's case is going to be slightly different, right? Like most people won't be in my situation where there's like, they're dealing with intense grief. <laughs> mm. um, and that's probably a good thing. But there are all sorts of things. I mean, there's all sorts of personal crises that can make your life situation difficult. Yeah. Uh, that can make it so whatever work you're doing, such as a PhD, doesn't fit somehow or isn't helping you or is hurting you you know mm, exactly so there are lots of different reasons um 
Yeah, I guess I could speak to that a little bit because um, I should just be direct because I'm very, you know, we've had these conversations, I've had these conversations with all of you um, in, or personally, individually. And, you know, one of the things that comes up is like, you know, I've, so far in this conversation, I said, oh, I was dealing with my, with this grief. What I should say was that I was depressed. I, you know, I, when I first arrived in to, to start my program, my PhD, I was, you know, coming out of really great summer. It was a summer where I was like, I had a hard year. I'm going to like just enjoy myself. It's going to be super nice. And it was. And that's part of the reason I thought I was, you know, ready. Mm-hmm. And I think this is also true. Uh, I can't speak for other people, but I, I mean, I think there are a lot of people who have seasonal depression, you know, for example, or chronic depression or anxiety or other mental health um, struggles on a whole range of, um, how would you say, on a whole like range of intensities or a whole gradient. And I think it's maybe particularly common among people who pursue PhDs because it, it, you, any kind of scientific research or academic work requires that you, you know, are self-disciplined and demand a lot of yourself. And I think these are kind of commonly overlapping traits with people who are too hard on ourselves (laughs) and maybe like have succeeded in academic settings because we're rigorous with ourselves. And that, you know, can for some people also mean anxiety and some level of depression as a sort of chronic way of being and it's maybe to 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 in a level that's not considered clinical like you're getting out of bed you're doing all the things but you know to some level maybe some of us switch off the kind of feeling emotion to get stuff done and we do that so much that it becomes a habit and you might not even know that you're struggling that you know you could be getting more joy out of what you do (laughs) because it's kind of always worked Hmm. Um, or you can always manage it to some extent. So, yeah, I think that um, it's just, it's good to point out that in my case, I was um, becoming, uh, becoming more depressed. I was like feeling some anxiety and then I was just feeling more and more depressed as the months went on. And of course it was also winter time and it was like this combination of factors. It's like, I know for myself, like dealing with this kind of, chronic depression from like adolescence that it's um you know it's not so simple as to say like one factor triggers it mm-hmm. i think in my case it's like i have a predisposition towards it you know it runs in the family somewhere and like through life changes and um major transitions it can come up and so in my case it was a loss of losing my dad, who I was really close with. But, you know, for some people, it could be just the relocation. I mean, I shouldn't say just, but it could be relocation to a new place, meeting a new set of people that, you know, mm-hmm. even for someone who is socially really well adjusted, that's a lot to take in. Yeah, I guess all sort of several factors lined up. So it made sense that I didn't feel good. Um, and I kept telling myself like, oh, you know, maybe if I just get through the winter, things are going to get better. 
uh, I also told myself like, oh, maybe when I finally move to my apartment and get out of this temporary dorm situation, it'll get better. Like I kept looking for the next thing mm. that would bring some relief. And eventually I realized, you know, over the course of several weeks or a few months, I realized that wasn't going to happen. That like, I, you know, I, I moved to the new place and I thought I was going to be like, yeah, now I feel good. But the novelty wore off quickly and I was still feeling like I can't get out of bed in the morning. And I was also still feeling like I'd get to my, you know, finally get out of bed and get to my workspace. And I'll be like, I can't believe, like, <laughs> I look around, I'm like, I can't believe people are excited to do this. Like, I'm so, like, I'm just like trying to stay with it and like trying to keep my head above. And like, I think from the outside, it looks like I was doing all the right things and I guess you know, I was checking off all the boxes of what I needed to do. Yeah, that wasn't really the problem. It wasn't that I wasn't doing the work. It was, it was a sort of internal battle or struggle, and also that sort of feeling of dullness, of like I don't know, mm-hmm. you know, what's the point? So, you know, I guess in summary, that's my experience with that period of depression. I was like always grappling with. Um, kind of your own expectations, kind of self-assessing, like, am I okay? Am I not? Um, and then there were also times where, like, I there was more intense emotions that was still, you know, me processing grief over my dad that, like, you know, all of a sudden in the night, uh, I didn't even know what triggered it, but I would just start crying, and I was crying all night. And the next day I was like, I can't, I can't bring this face into the office. It's so puffy and just, you know, um, you know, you don't, when you're vulnerable, you don't want to be seen. So I, um, yeah, I remember I was thinking like, what do I do? Like, where do I go? You know, it's like what Albina, you were just saying, it's like, um, being, being a graduate student, you're like, oh, you're treated as an adult, right? You're an adult, you should figure out, you should already by now know how things work in life. Like you should be able to take care of your business, for example. Um, but I, like, part of it is that's kind of a lie. I mean, we always need help, no matter what age we are, right? Like you always need, we always need resources and people and, somewhere to turn to if you really need to talk to somebody so yeah yeah so yeah I, I, uh, yeah i agree like all phds they are all under pressure pressure to deliver your first paper in time second paper in time finish your thesis in time uh have a successful defense and then uh find a job and all that stuff uh, yeah. So personally, for me, it was uh, in in this September and uh, August time when I knew like okay now it's one hour wait one hour <laughs> one year uh, before my contract ends uh, and I felt well I felt uh, not not bad uh, but I felt a lot of anxiety and. I realized, okay, I, actually, I need the help, and uh, so I found, um, uh, I found an internet, uh, yeah, online therapist, and uh, we are talking with her like almost every week for half a year now, and 
that 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 what helps me at least to be uh, yeah you know she, she helps me with this anxiety and st- stress situations and it helps sometimes to talk with someone that don't know you and it's not it's not your friend and uh, and not a family um, person because uh, I know that in some point they could just pity you, but you don't need a pity. You just need to talk with someone uh, professional. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's it's really great that you're doing that because it's it's really hard to uh, get over that barrier. I mean, the barrier of first of all recognizing that, you know. Uh, you might need help um and again it's like it's all different levels right for me i was like yeah i was crying uncontrollably i like very obviously (laughs) but but like you don't have to get to that point to realize that um it's not working you know no that that the that the environment or the job or something like that isn't working um Mm. and also it's like even if you could kind of push through it it doesn't mean you have to, you can have a better alternative, like by getting help, you can kind of have a better experience, right? And they can make the work more enjoyable and the work quality is going to be better too. Mm -hmm. So I feel like, yeah, it's something that really um, everyone (laughs) should have access to. It's just like a scientific work, you need some objectivity as well. Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. And sometimes it's really it's helpful to talk to somebody who's outside of that academic sphere because they can give you some perspective, you know, like when when you're in it and you're like, oh, research is like everything. If I don't do this right, then like if that falls through or this proposal doesn't work, then you feel like your world is crashing. But when you talk to somebody outside of the circle, you realize it's actually OK <laughs> <laughs> that it's, you know, the next thing will come or, you know, it helps you to kind of detach from some some ideas and expectations right so how did you feel when you finally decided for yourself okay i'm quitting what did you like what did you do yeah so yeah i basically it came down to i sought out some help so i did i did find a private therapist um, because that was what i could access most quickly and i was talking to friends and trying to decide and when i finally made the decision it was one morning when i woke up and i was like i shouldn't be feeling this bad for any job you know that i shouldn't um this is really really hard on my health yeah so, you should not trade your health yeah it's like i'm really trading my health for something that has lots of good elements like again like i said it was the project itself very interesting like so many elements that normally i would have been very excited about but i was i was sacrificing my health for some kind of idea of like i need to have a job and one point i was like yeah you shouldn't feel like this for any job <laughs> or pursuit you know um so then in my case i talking to friends and talking to family to kind of um sort of run this by it's like i think maybe i should quit you know and when I when it really hit when I realized that I could give myself permission to leave then then it was relatively easy I think what was holding me back and this is probably common for people trying to 
decide if they want to leave a PhD is you have a sense of guilt. <laughs> you know, you have a sense of guilt of like, oh, but like we made arrangements with all these people and they brought me on and they've paid me and or they've not even if you're not getting paid the the amount of time and energy and the trust that they've put in you, you know, like I felt I felt really um and not embarrassed, but like I felt really bad towards my advisor because he was so great. I mean, you know, from the start, he was so supportive. And some people leave their positions because they don't get along with their advisors. And I think in those cases, also getting psychological help, getting mental health support is helpful. So like, if that is your case, if you're listening and you're not getting along with your advisor, definitely suggest that you like, talk to people, talk to your friends, talk to people you trust, and then also talk to professionals to get help because that in some cases can help resolve the problem. Yeah. In my particular case, my advisor was awesome. I would work with him again any day. Um, and my colleagues also. So it really wasn't about that. Um, but yeah, I, I just decided that I had to yeah, make the decision. And also when I made the decision, it was like, that first day when I arrived, I was like, I can't believe I just did this. It was just like, <laughs> I can't believe I just came and did this. And then I quit. And uh, yeah, I felt like a wild person. <laughs> but at the same time, I knew that it was um, the right thing to do. I was like, okay, I need to, like, I need to prioritize my health and get better. And like job things can wait. And again, like, you know, I think if I had been, somebody who had really wanted to do a PhD, that was a goal, a personal and professional goal, then I probably would consider like, okay, I need to take a break and then come back. Mm -hmm. And that was an option. I mean, I was mm -hmm. talking to my advisor and he was like, um, very, very understanding, but also was giving me alternatives and options and which I really appreciated because he was like, what if you take some time off or like take a year off even and like, that's all okay. Um, but I, I decided I just needed to make a clean break and like really refocus on my priorities and also job and professional, personal kind of things. Cause it was just very confusing time personally. Um, yeah, so that's the kind of emotional side. And the practical side again, is like it, communicating, like talking to I was talking to my boss and saying like I this is my situation now and I, I think I need to make I need to leave and make a clean break and I'm like I'm very sorry <laughs> you know I felt terrible <laughs> that because I thought we were gonna have a great thing going and it was like really promising but uh, I, I was like I, ha I just have to go and he was supportive but yeah practically it was like starting to talk about you know once I made the decision then it was communicating it to him communicating it to friends you know, not, I wasn't like a broadcasting it cause it's still, you know, you're very vulnerable, but um, like talking to the key people who have been there for you in that environment, you know, new friends and um, making plans to like, okay, how do we make this transition? You know, how much time do I need to wrap up the few things that I've got going on? And that of course depends a lot, I think on how far in you are like i had just finished my early proposal phase and so <laughs> and the co like you know co coronavirus was just hitting it was like just about the i actually quit the day before bergen went into lockdown mm -hmm. it was a coincidence <laughs> <laughs> 
but <laughs> um anyway like for some people you know if you're wrapping up a paper then maybe the practical side of quitting would take more time you know maybe you need six months to transition i don't know maybe you need a few months mm-hmm. so i think it just it depends case by case in my case it was pretty quick i was like i'm leaving and <laughs> <laughs> i mean i knew i need to physically get myself out of that space of being alone in this apartment of being isolated so i you know like packed up in a day and like got my ticket and came back to trondheim to be with my partner and then from there you know i had worked out with my advisor that i would um you know wrap up what i was doing and kind of make it into a report to pass it on to the next person who would start the project up yeah it was more complicated with COVID because i i you know we had been talking about me coming back to have some meetings and talk about the project and so on. And in some ways, all of that changed with coronavirus and lockdowns because the project was supposed to be, you know, field work in the US and all this kind of stuff. (laughs) So, I mean, I know that the project itself, how it had been envisioned from the beginning and then how even I was going to approach it, that's all drastically changed for other external reasons. I mean, COVID. Um, So in a way that, for me, it kind of lifts my guilt a little bit because it's like, <laughs> oh, it didn't, in the end, like what I did or didn't do didn't ruin anything for anybody, you know? Because mm-hmm. I think like what makes it hard to leave is you're thinking like, I'm ruining my life, I'm ruining his life, I'm ruining her life. You know, you just think <laughs> that everyone else's life. And if you're already leaving because of mental health reasons, you probably, it doesn't help to think that you're like leaving a trail of destruction. <laughs> because you already feel like that you know uh yeah but how how do you feel now Uh, yeah almost a year later i feel i'm i stand by my decision i think it was the right thing to do um despite being sad that i don't see all of you (laughs) um for me it was the right thing to do um and i think if i was having regrets and was wishing to go back and so on. Like one of the things that I think worked well in my case was that that open communication. You know, like I, I if I think if I was really regretting it and was looking for opportunities back there again, I wouldn't be too hesitant to reach out and ask somebody. Like, you know, oh, you know, is there any are there opportunities that have come up and so on and so forth. So. Um, and I think if I had left on really bad terms, you know, if I just like disappeared without saying anything and like, or like never handed over useful data or like been helpful in trying to make the next person's transition a little bit easier. And if I hadn't tried to kind of maintain a little bit of the relationship, then then I think a year on, you know, it would be more difficult in some mm-hmm. ways. Yeah. So. Yeah, so what would you have done differently? Uh... That's an interesting question. It's very, very hard to answer. Um... Maybe nothing. Maybe nothing. Maybe maybe it should, should have been how it was. I guess maybe I can answer this and roll it into the next question as well, which is like the tips 
if you and I'm, when I say you, I mean like you know the listener. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Good. If you if you listen, you are thinking you are in a PhD or some kind of graduate program, and you're for whatever reason wondering if this isn't the right thing for you. I think my main tips are to com- communicate, like find people to communicate. Um, you know, friends. You know. Anyone really? <laughs> and of course, not not just the random person on the street, but like, look at the people you trust in your life, and they don't even need to have been in your life for very long. I mean, I found people that I felt like I could open up to, you know, through you guys, for instance, um, quite quite early on, and that's a lot of credit to all of you <laughs> because you know, there are a lot of cold work environments where like people don't engage and um, that makes it really hard. But, you know, if that's your case, then reach out to friends in, in either similar situations or friends who are not in similar situations. Just like, just start talking, just start talking to somebody. I would say like, that's probably the starting point is like, if you're, if something's not working out, something's not feeling good, like try to talk to somebody or write it down. However, whatever it takes for you to kind of process that and also to like, let it out. So it's not just you holding it and brewing on your discontent or your self-doubt or something, uh, your struggle. Um, and it, like we were saying earlier that unfortunately, there is this big gap when it comes to mental health, mental support. Um, and so it could be hard to find, but just start asking around people, you know, other people in your program, if you feel comfortable doing that, or just Google, just go online and Google. And if you have to find some a private therapist or somebody to talk to, either where you're living or back in your home country, you know, now it's easier and easier to do consultations over the phone so that in some ways can lower the barrier you could do it in your native language and that's okay just try to get help um i think that's the sort of core of it the tips it's like if you're starting to realize something isn't working and i guess a lot of this conversation has been about mental health but i should point out that in some cases people decide to quit for reasons other than mental health right it could be like someone in your family gets sick and they live across the world or across the country and you have to decide to leave. Like, I think that, of course, if someone's going through a serious life change, still good to get mental health help. (laughs) (laughs) I'll still recommend that. But but maybe in that case, it's more of a matter of like, maybe what's more important then is to communicate with your colleagues, with your boss, you know, this is my situation. Like, first and foremost, you try to communicate like this is what I'm dealing with what can we do to to make it work if I'm trying to stay um can I work remotely for you know so that I can do whatever I need to do with these other obligations that are now coming into conflict Mm -hmm. and so on so I guess I would say like before you just decide like it's not working I gotta quit really like get the help you need and then use that help to help guide your decision yeah Uh, but you also could uh, quit your PhD if you are not no longer interested in totally. what are you doing. You're like, just don't find any joy in it. And you found help and you've realized that, you know, it's really the subject matter or the content or the environment or whatever it is. Like if you just, if it's not 
getting you to where you want to go. If it's if it's not fun anymore, I mean, of course, PhD. It's not just a fun. Just in case, I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, so there are ups and downs. Mm. Yeah. But if you are in, uh, super down for yeah really long time, then maybe it's kind of yeah red flag. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah, you have this list that you found, Albina, for yeah. like reasons. Yeah. You might consider quitting, but you sh- probably should not. Like if your experiment is not working. Yeah, or you had a negative feedback, also not the, or you struggle with writing or something. Then you should just like go back and listen to our previous episodes about writing. <laughs> <laughs> but if you're not no longer interested, what are you doing? I mean, I guess the key thing is that you're gonna go through highs and lows in the PhD, right? I can't really say that much because I was only really a PhD student for four or five months. <laughs> <laughs> I was kind of just a, I joke that I was um, an exchange student. But, uh, <laughs> but I mean, I, but from talking to friends and so on, I think it's just, it is very common to go through highs and lows, right? And like, it's, most people don't think I'm gonna quit every time they hit a low. I think usually that doesn't raise red flags um but it it is again if it's an extended period of time where you're really feeling pointless or not motivated or just kind of detached or disconnected in some way then that could be a sign Mm -hmm. and again i think that's part of why i really recommend that people talk to people they trust talk to people who know them well and then also talk to professionals because they can help through those conversations you can start to hopefully get a better picture of, is it you or is it the program, you know, is it not you, it's me kind of thing. Um, is it just no longer a match or maybe it was never a match or maybe your advisor isn't a good match and they're not being supportive and you, they're ruining your life, I don't know. <laughs> um, or your confidence at least, um, you know, that's all possible. Maybe yeah. the key here is that sometimes we need help to figure out what's the picture. Yeah. Then, then once you see the picture a little bit better, then you can say, okay, it's time to transition to something else or yeah. it's time to go. Yeah, bottom line, communicate, find help. <laughs> <laughs> That's a genius way of uh, summarizing everything, I think. Yeah, thank you so much, Alice. Thank you for sharing yeah. a personal story with us and uh, people who listen. Yeah, my pleasure. I mean, again, my my situation was a bit extreme in some ways because of, you know, the personal crisis. But just to reiterate, like, it doesn't have to be something as extreme as losing a family member. It can be a lot of things that make you rethink or sometimes you don't even realize that you're working through something internally until it kind of comes out and hits you. Yeah. Another message I would like to share is just be kind to yourself, you know, like um, you're not alone. And as I found, (laughs) once you, you know, hit that place where you suddenly you realize you really need help, you realize how many kind people are in your life. I, I was really lucky in that sense that there were so many people around who were so supportive to say like, oh, you're you we understand why you're leaving. And for somebody, maybe that's all they really need to hear is like, don't worry, it's okay. You know, it's okay to make this decision. Yeah, 
I think it's it's really important to say that to quit a PhD is totally normal. Okay, guys, thank you for listening. And if you have a colleague or friend who is going through a really hard time, send our episode to her or him. And uh, yeah, remember to check in on your mates. And one more thing, which is also kind of important. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter. And don't forget to put stars or likes in the app that you're listening our podcast. That is really important for us. Thank you. And bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hola. Bye.